Welcome today to Pouring Out Perfume Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Ann Wilcox. Today I have Kirsten Samuel. She is a wife, a mother, a coach, and author, and has been featured on Focus in the Family. Today, her discussion is on her husband's struggle with porn addiction and the effect it had on their marriage and their relationship. I pray today that you are enlightened and encouraged. Don't forget to share this episode. Be filled with hope. We'll see you guys in the episode. Hello, beautiful. Are you seeking to deepen your connection with Christ? Shift from a negative mindset to a positive faith-filled one? Discover genuine passion and love in what you do and forge authentic, meaningful relationships with like-minded women? If your heart whispered yes to any of the above, you're in the right place. I'm introducing Christ-Centered Simple System Group Course. Embrace a transformative journey that will amplify your faith revolutionize your mindset, live your divine calling, and build authentic relationships. You asked for it, and I'm bringing it. Just head on over to pouringoutperfume.com, fill out the opt-in information with your name, email, and say yes to transforming your life. Do not wait any longer. I'm talking to you, girlfriend. It's time to change your life. You know God's been calling you. We'll see you there. Hello, my dear. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to be here with you. Thank you, Carrie Ann. It is so good to have you. This topic is something that we don't talk enough about and something that happens all too often. Pornography, from what I understand, the earliest age that children are exposed to it, I believe is eight years old, or what statistics are saying. Does that sound? Statistics are saying that my husband's exposure was at five. At five. Yeah. Way too young. Way, way, way too young. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you were married up until, or I guess for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about what happened that 25th year. <laughs> the 25th year was a pretty momentous year in our family. Our eldest daughter had just gotten married. Our youngest son had gone off to university in, in Austria. And our, our oldest son was getting ready to head back to university here in the, in the States. And one day Dave came home and, you know, we were both working and, you know, everything's, you know what that's like. It's just, oh, you know, oh yeah. Hair's on go. fire. Yeah. <laughs> we're all just spinning our wheels trying to spin our wheels. the day. Yeah. We were thinking we're finally empty nesters, you know, we're really looking forward to a lot of different things. And I was throwing dinner together because, of course, I got home late from work. and. And he was just really, really quiet and unusually so. So after dinner, I went to go change and, and you know, get ready for the evening. And, and I noticed he was just laying on the bed. And I thought, what in the world? And I said, are you OK? And he looked at me and he said, it's really it's a good possibility I will lose my job tomorrow. And I just stunned. I said, well, why? You know, and um, he told me because of he'd been caught looking at porn. And the company that he worked for was an international company. They had really strict guidelines. And this was immediate dismissal, grounds for immediate dismissal. He said, they've given me till tomorrow morning. I have a meeting at nine o'clock with HR and I have to come up with a plan and I don't know what to do. Well, my world stopped at the pornography addiction. (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) I had to remember these things later after the fact, but (laughs) my world stopped there. And I pretty much collapsed onto the side of the bed and just said, "I I couldn't talk. I couldn't. Couldn't process. I immediately went through every emotion you can imagine. 
just immediately. And I landed on anger. I landed on on this sense of disbelief and who are you and what in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going on? I thought we had a good marriage. You know, we were best friends there. I didn't think there was anything we weren't talking about. After the fact, as we began to heal, as I began to heal, I discovered that we really weren't being honest with each other. Mm. So we were both hiding. Okay. On both sides. On both sides. Your anger is justifiable, right? Because that was also, I mean, he had an affair. Those are affairs. And so you felt that betrayal. So tell us what, what your side of it, where you feel maybe you weren't being as honest or what happened in that regard. Well, I had this belief that if I loved my husband well, you know, submitted to him, raised the kids, kept a good home, you know, went to church regularly, read my Bible, prayed, did all, you know, add it all together, all of the typical Christian ease stuff, that my life would be pretty good, that God was going to give me this pretty good life. Well, that is not what the Bible says. No. Nope. At all. <laughs> it is not what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus tells us the exact opposite. He said, in this life, you're going to struggle. You're going to have you're going to have obstacles. You're going to have tribulations to use an old word. But in my fairy tale world, mm-hmm. this wasn't supposed to happen. And what I had been hiding was I had been assaulted as a child. Mm-hmm. And then I had been assaulted again in, in college. And my way of dealing with that was I'm fine. You know, nothing really terrible happened, but something terrible did happen. And I never talked to anybody about it. The first person I told was my husband when we were, when we were engaged. And I just told him, and when I told him, he said, are you okay? And I said, oh, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I had never dealt with it. So without me understanding the after effects of traumatic situations like that, I didn't realize I had developed PTSD and I had an anxiety disorder that had developed because I had kept that quiet. And Overarching all of that was I was struggling with suicidal depression because I didn't deal with that issue that happened when I was nine years old. So a nine-year-old child doesn't know how to process it like a five-year-old didn't know how to process the pornography. So here we were playing this game. My mask was firmly in place and it was a really good one. You I know, believe it. You know, I I worked with a guy who bragged about the fact that he always knew a woman who had been abused. He could always tell. And when my story came out, he came in, sat down in my office at work and went, I had no idea. And so that's how good of an actor I was. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, Dave had been exposed at five years old. And at that point, I believe, you know, he didn't know what it was. He didn't know what he was seeing. But from the time he was five to the time that the internet became available to everyone, Mm -hmm. he had these random exposures to pornography. As he started pouring out his story when we were in counseling and in recovery and his story started coming out, I just cried because he, he wasn't looking for it as a kid, but he would be in a car. And they would stop at a stoplight and he'd, you know, glance out the window like we all do. And there's a centerfold open. You know, he would he would be walking to school and find a scrap of paper and curious to what the scrap of paper was, thinking he'd pick it up, you know, and throw it in the trash. 
it was a piece of a pornographic image. Hmm. You know, he he would find magazines because, you know, at that at that time, that's what was available easily. And then he started and then that's what got him hooked. And then he started becoming more aware of what he was seeing. And then when the Internet became available, became really easy. Now, he never took it to another level, although it was progressing and he was now in a cycle and it was getting harder and harder for him to break that cycle. He said it was about a a three to four month cycle for him. Mm -hmm. So as we looked at it, we were like, you know, we started to see some patterns, some behavioral patterns, and, and it was painful to uncover all of this. But in the, so in the meantime, he's dealing with this and I'm realizing I've been diagnosed with suicidal depression, PTSD, and an anxiety disorder. And everything that I thought God would do for me because I was a good Christian woman got ripped to shreds in this process. And I can honestly say now, Carrie Ann, that God was gracious to me. He allowed this discovery of my husband's pornography addiction and this absolute hell in our marriage, this disruption in our marriage. We had to tell our kids, they were all adults, and he had to tell them. And I mean, this was ready for our marriage to just explode. But because of my husband's revelation, my secrets came out and I started to get the help I need. And and I look at it and I think, Lord, you are so good. It was so hard. And I don't wish it on my worst enemy, but he's so good. He's, he loves us enough not to let us hide like that. And that's his redemption story. Absolutely. You had said before we started recording and how that was your old marriage, right? Like mm-hmm. you guys were married for that 25 years. And then now, did you say 14 or 17 years you're going on? It's 16. We just oh, celebrated our 41st. <laughs> you were very close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now you have a whole new marriage and we're made new and all that old is is gone. And, and now we give him glory and now we see his love. And he he took, you know, all that yuckiness and he healed you both. And here you are. There's a couple layers to this. And I, I want to go back and I have a few questions. Sure. How was he first exposed at five? Was he walking in on somebody watching it? Was this a flip of the channel? Was this, how did he first see it? It was a magazine and he was getting his hair cut. Okay. And it was in a magazine on a rack and he was just starting to read and he saw the word play. Uh, and he said, I like to play. And then he saw the word boy and he goes, well, I'm a boy and I like to play. And he didn't know what he was picking up. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you, Hugh Hefner, if I do yes. say so. <laughs> so. Also, I have been sexually abused as well. Mm-hmm. And I know that it, without dealing with it, like you said, with putting on our amazing mask, it's going to rip us up on the inside, right? It's festering, mm-hmm. it's it's growing, it's it's destroying us slowly. When you found out about your husband and kind of this obsession, addiction to pornography, Did you have any of those feelings like, okay, here my abuser was probably looking at me in that same way that he was looking at pornography in like that same kind of betrayal. And I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but like for me, whenever I would hear of somebody watching porn, I would be like, yeah. And then pretty soon you're going to end up hurting someone just like I was hurt. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my thought process on it. I would get very upset. I would feel very 
betray, betrayed is not the right word, but it, it, angry at whoever was looking at it because mm-hmm. I just imagine them continuing it. Did you ever mm-hmm. feel those kind of feelings as well? What I felt was I wasn't, I, I had failed. I wasn't good enough mm. because I felt like as I started to go back to that nine-year-old little girl, I felt like I had done something wrong oh. and that there was something wrong with me that somebody would do that to me. As I've gotten older and as I, as the Lord has allowed me to forgive my abusers, you know, mm-hmm. and they were, all, they were both single incidents. I want to be really clear on that, that, you know, abuse is abuse, but I've been able to think, like you said, what prompted them? What was the wound in them? What was the the thing they were struggling with that they would reach out to hurt another person in that way. And as I've been able to, to begin to look at it from that lens, that's when I've been able to start to forgive. And I've been able to say, what you did was wrong. Mm -hmm. What you did was wrong. What you did caused damage to me, but I believe you were hurt. I believe there was something in you that caused you to act out in that way. And I'm just prayed that they've gotten the help they need, you know, and that's, that's God's grace, but that has taken more than 40 years to get to that place because it's been a daily, sometimes more often than that process of wrestling this through this with God. Yeah. And you know, the, the whole thing of the very first time I ever experienced healing prayer, was somebody taking me through that initial attack, you know, and how as a one who's been abused, you know that your body literally starts to feel like you're there again. Absolutely. And all of that fear, all of that pain, all of that, you know, that just, I mean, you literally, I started shaking, I started mm-hmm. sobbing, I, 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 I felt myself doing this, you know, and yet the question that then unlocked things for me and really started to help me heal was, where is Jesus? Look for Jesus. And what I saw, Carrie Ann, and I don't say this lightly, what I saw in, in prayer and in, in saying, Jesus, where were you? Why did you leave me? All of this other stuff. I saw Jesus there. And he was standing there weeping. As he was weeping, not only for what was happening to this little girl who had no clue, but he was weeping for my abuser as well and offering. And I could see this desire coming out of him, just emanating from Jesus of, I want to heal you. Please come to me. Please come to me. And that unlocked a lot of things for me. And I I started to realize that I wasn't alone and it wasn't Jesus doing this to me. It was evil. And evil is very alive and well. And it's the same thing in discovering and what my husband was going through with the pornography. Evil is alive and well. And we're going to, I'm going to call it what it is. Porn is, it's a killer. Mm -hmm. It's progressive. It's a killer. But it doesn't have to kill your marriage. And that's what I want women to hear. It's what, it's what I do. It's my heartbeat. It's my passion is it doesn't have to kill your marriage. If it does, if it has, that's okay because it's not going to kill you. You will recover 
And I, I, I tell my clients this a lot. You're going to recover where your husband does or not, because he has to do his own recovery. We're going to talk about your recovery. And I'm standing here today surviving, having survived my husband's porn addiction that had been going on since he was five years old. I'm surviving suicidal depression where I did have thoughts of taking my own life. And by God's grace, I didn't do it. PTSD, Mm -hmm. all of those things and understanding that there's so much more that God wants to give us. You said, and I, I want these women to hear this. You said that when you your feelings towards the pornography was you weren't good enough, right? That's where your heart came from. What would you say to a woman right now who is feeling that way? How did you, how did you overcome that? How have you worked through that? I've worked through that. First of all, I want to say to the woman, you are worthy to be loved because God created you and he created you perfectly. So that's the first thing I want them to hear. The second thing is You are enough because, again, you are God's creation. Now, I don't like the signs that say, yes, I'm enough. I don't like them because if we're doing that in our own strength, we're not. We know it. And that's a lie. Let's let's just be honest here. Mm -hmm. Because of who Jesus made us to be, because of his power, his strength in us, his indwelling, we are enough. There's nothing that we, that God wants us to do to be more with him. He's delights in us. And I started reading when I could finally pick up my Bible again and start reading. And it made sense, started making sense because it made no sense to me when this hit me. The only thing I could read were the Psalms. And I read the Psalms where a lot of times David was saying, strike my enemies dead. And those were the ones I'm like, yeah, Lord, that's it. That's it. You know, the fancy name for that is the imprecatory Psalms. But I started reading those and I would cry those out to God. And, I, and it didn't feel like he even heard me, honestly. I did it simply because I didn't know what else to do. So the first thing I did was I became really honest with myself about what I was thinking. And I opened up to, at the time we were meeting with what part of our recovery team, we were meeting with a group of six couples or three couples, six, three and three. And I would talk to the women in that group and I would say, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? You know, I would think, do I need to give him more sex? Do I, you know, what, what, what is it? Well, then I started studying about what, what happens with pornography in the brain. And it's not about sex at all. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with sex. And that's such a common lie. Isn't it? Though? Is totally, yep. It has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with, and you know, at the time I had been very, very ill when this came out. And so. I was struggling with some health issues and I thought, well, if I just wasn't sick, well, no, it really had nothing to do with me. And my husband actually confirmed that when we went through intensive marriage counseling and he said, I have always loved you. You are beautiful. He said, in my mind, it was two separate things, which as women, we don't understand that because our minds are a, a mishmash of everything. Everything's intercorrected, but in our guys' minds, it's true. It really is true. God has given them this unique ability to compartmentalize, which makes them so highly talented in certain areas because they can literally block the world out <laughs> and do what they're doing. And yeah, yes, they can do that. You know, <laughs> everything is going in my head. So I had to start studying and understanding that pornography was not about sex. It wasn't about intimacy. It's not even about relationship. It's about getting a fix. It is a drug. 
And I started reading about some of the brain scans that have been done by the Amen Clinic and other psychologists that are have been studying. And, and to see that pornography, so when someone's watching pornography, the brain lights up just like they're on heroin. Mm-hmm. And it creates these, these neuropathways, these addictive neuropathways. And, and they have to understand in order to break the pornographic cycle, they have to understand, they have to actually go on a detox, you know, like no sex, no looking at anything that's titillating, you know? And when I started realizing that I was like, wow, this is truly addictive. It can be. And there's, you know, they call it a triple cocktail with pornography. And, and so as I started doing that and I started realizing that my value doesn't it doesn't even exist in how my husband sees me. My value exists in how God sees me. And I had to start realizing that the way that I was going to heal was to turn to God and to come bare naked before him, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and, and lay it out there. And let me tell you, Carrie, God and I had some knockdown drag out fights. I believe it. There's another one. I believe. <laughs> yes, they yeah. were. I mean, there's times. I, I have a specific memory. I was driving home from work one day after all this was happening. And, and I had been to a counseling session because of the suicidal depression. My, I had to go on to counseling after my husband and I finished, you know, I was just in such a bad place. And I was driving home and I was screaming in the car. I don't know how I got home because I was crying and I was screaming and I was screaming all the way home. And I thought he is going to strike me dead because of the things that I was saying to him. And I got home and I walked to my home and I sat there and I just cried and I cried and I just kept pouring it all out. And all of a sudden the peace came. And all I, all I heard God say was, I'm right here with you. I never left. And I had to realize again that this pain, this betrayal, this suicidal depression, this PTSD was if I was willing. If I was willing to submit to God and to lay it all out before him, it was a gift because it made me run right to the only one who could save me. And a funny thing happened on the way there. (laughs) When I started getting closer to God and not even worrying about what was going on with my husband and not not even trying to manipulate how his healing occurred, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just let it all go. And I remember God asking me, will you take your hands off, Dave? That's good. When I did that, when Mm -hmm. I went like this and I went and said, I've got nothing. Jesus was standing there with his arms open wide. And he said, I've got it. I've got you. And as I grew closer to God, I grew closer to Dave. Because Dave was doing the work he needed to do in his way, in his time. And as he got closer to God, that's when we got the brand new marriage. And it wasn't before that. Oh, God is so good. He is so good. He's so good. He's so good. What I experience as well, what I what I hope and pray and wish the entire human species would learn is that surrender. It yes. is everything. And that moment is it is the most blissful, peaceful, enjoyable thing you can possibly imagine to give it to Jesus, to quit trying to hold on and quit trying to control it. And wow, I love that story. Oh, that's good. I can still see where I was sitting in my house. Oh yeah. And I can remember sitting there with my hands just dropped to my side Mm -hmm. and the palms were up and it was just, 
it was this, I give up. It, yes, it is. It's not, <laughs> maybe a little begrudgingly, but yes, we give up. You know, I give up. It. And I remember saying to God in that moment, if you are not who you say you are, then I have nothing to live for. Yeah. And that was that was that full surrender moment. And I just sat there. And as the tears came, as as the anguish poured out, as I felt like I felt like this. How do I put this into words? This river of swampy, stinky sludge flowed out of me. I felt freer than I'd ever been in my life. Amen. I've been there. I'm so so happy for you. (laughs) And God is so good. He is so good. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so awesome. Tell everybody about your book. This is such a great resource. And I'm so glad you did this. Yes. Tell us all the things. My husband and I, I wrote the book, Choosing Way Out, but I, it, we go back and forth telling our stories in this book. And so I actually sat down and interviewed him for four hours and then transcribed what he said, you know, and of course, then we edited a lot of it down, but it's called Choosing a Way Out When the Bottom Isn't the Bottom. And it is our story of recovery, of the discovery, all of the story coming out, and then the recovery and what God took us through. It is not a happy ending. I mean, it's not a, and they lived happily ever after. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It is today we're choosing to love each other. You know, it's, it's my understanding that love is not an emotion. It's a verb. Mm -hmm. It's action. And yes, we get all of those lovely feelings. It's also understanding that this story describes my past, but it does not define who I am today, nor does it define my future. It is a description of my past. I am not the woman I was. My husband is not the man he was. And by God's grace, tomorrow I will be a different person than I am today. And it's this journey of going through with God. My favorite verse is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. And it's, it talks about that the God who is able is the one who comes in and does the transformative work in me. It's not up to me. It is God who does the work. I'm just joining him in that journey. And so verse 24 says, and the God who promised will do it. And I'm like, oh, thank you. The pressure's off me. You know, (laughs) he's going to do it. But we wrote this book. We released it on our 35th wedding anniversary. And that was an intentional date because it was 10 years after D-Day. It was 10 years after all hell broke loose. And we could stand there and tell the story for the first time. And it took me almost two years to write the book because every page hurt to write it. And the day that I went to release the book, I called my husband. And of course, you know, you submit everything online now. And I had to hit the submit button, which was going to tell the story. I couldn't do it because up until that point, there were very few people who knew our story. They didn't know. And I was still struggling with. 10 years after the fact, I was still struggling. People are going to hear my story and they're going to reject me. They're going to reject my husband. And they're not going to see what God has done. So it took me 30 minutes of sitting there with my hand poised, calling my husband and sobbing and him saying to me, God has told us it's time to tell the story. And it's okay because whatever happens, it's God's story. And since then, we've had this wonderful opportunity that only God could provide to come alongside others and say, it's okay. This doesn't have to be fatal. 
You got a lot of hard work to do, but we'll walk with you every step of the way. And as a betrayal recovery coach, I get to do that with women. And my husband and I get to do it with couples that are at the point where they're ready to go through this process. The worst thing any woman could do, Carrie Ann, and you know this as well as I do, is to stay silent. Exactly. Keep it bottled up. You have got to get help because you're not alone. You are not alone ever. There are so many women out there like you, like me, like so many others. And, and we understand the pain. No, my story is different than yours. My story is different than every woman I talk to. But the pain we can relate to. And you need to understand that God loves you more than you can imagine. That he is pouring grace upon grace upon you. That he wants to heal you. He's just waiting. He's a gentleman. He's waiting to come and let you come to him. And the enemy is telling you, you're not worthy, you're ugly, you've done something wrong, no one can ever love you. If you reveal this story, it's going to destroy you. You are unworthy. If you had done X, Y, and Z, this this would not have happened. God can't be good because he allowed this to happen to you on and on and on. And every single one of them are lies. You know, you just have to forgive him and forget it. Oh, I love that one. Right. You know, or he can't help it. Really? Really? Yeah. We all have choices in our decisions every day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they just go on and on. And well, if you had given him more sex. So what I, you know, what I would love to offer to anyone who wants it, it's free. I will give you the link so that you can share that link out. But it's a just a PDF download that I've written called 11 Shame Provoking Lies People Tell About Porn Addiction. And I've just listed some of the few of them. But, you know, if you had been a better wife is one of them. Oh, really? You know? And it just, it starts the conversation of, these are things that I'm hearing. These are things that have been said to me. These are things that have been said to me by pastors, by people who we, we go to for help. And we hear these comments and they just, they oh, rip yeah. the wound open again. It's your fault. You didn't do enough, but you are enough mm-hmm. because you are the daughter of the king of the universe. And I'm sorry, nothing trumps that. <laughs> I feel like I could just say amen every time you speak. <laughs> I may get a little redundant here, folks, but wow. Well, I, yes. If anybody wants it, it's free. My website is kirstendsamuel.com. So it's my name.com. And there are tons of free resources there. There's a lot of interviews that I've done. There's my book is there. You know, the link to my book is there. If anybody would like a copy of the book and they can't afford it, just email me. Just go to my website, hit the contact button, tell me they want a copy of the book. I'm happy to send it to you. It, it, it's not about the money for me. I want women to understand they're not stuck. There is a fulfilling, abundant life beyond this discovery. And if I can live this every day, so can you. I can't. Thank you enough for coming on here. And also speaking on this topic. Thank you, my dear. Kirsten, I, oh, you just made my heart so happy. I I know you're just giving so much encouragement. God is using you so much right now to speak to so many. Well, thank you for what you're doing and having these hard conversations in an honest and authentic manner so that women, we can destigmatize these topics. Because if we don't talk about them, who will? You are so right. 
you, we, we've got to bring them to the light. As God we says, to we've got to talk about them. Right. Because the darkness cannot penetrate the light. The light reveals it all. And contrary to every instinct in our bodies, once the truth is known, you are free. Because the enemy can't beat you over the head with it any longer. What is he going to say to me? I wrote the book. You know, yeah, the story's out there. What are you going to beat me up with? You know, and yes, he does. He still does. He still, I don't want to give that impression that I'm completely free. Every day is a choice Mm -hmm. to say, no, I am going to stand in who God says I am. And I am not perfect. And I continue to make mistakes. My husband and I continue to have to every day choose to live our lives the way God wants us to live, to leave pornography behind. I have to choose to not go into those depressive states, to recognize those triggers and to deal with them quickly so that I don't fall into that hole. But every day I also thank God for the hole because it reminds me to run to him, not to walk, not to kind of glance, but to run to him. And he says, to look at my face, you know, the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full at his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And God is calling us ladies to look at him, to cling to him, to trust him and to let him do the work that needs to be done. And it's a journey with him. He's always good. Always good. Always. Wow. Just taking that all in. You guys get in touch with Kirsten. She is here for you. Trust me, I even reached out to her and she got right back to me. It was incredible. (laughs) She really is there. She really cares. And share this message. You never know who is struggling with this as well. Please get the message out there. Speak about it. Talk about it. That's the only way we can heal this and help one another. So don't forget to share this episode and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, Miss Girl, do you want to come hang out with a group of unapologetic and authentic Christian women just like you? Hmm, I thought so. Inside the private Facebook group, Christian Women Overcoming Trauma, you'll get fellowship, encouragement, hope-filled testimonies, actionable advice, and guidance from experts on how to live a life with purpose. Join now at Facebook groups, Christian Women Overcoming Trauma.